This, this is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission, or mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One make, make no mistake. America. Ready. Great. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Well, it's not Buck. It's the Godfather again. It's a Friday and I'm back. Buck is on a special assignment, and he called, and he said, Godfather, you got me on a Friday night? And I said, I got your six, brother. I got your six. So I'm here hanging out with you guys, the the, uh, Freedom Hut on the western shores of the Delaware Bay. I can't give you the full location, but I am staring at the water, enjoying what's about to be an incredible moonrise and talking to one of my favorite audiences in the whole wide world. So I'm here. I'm happy to be coast to coast uh, for Buck, and I want you to join the conversation. I have some questions tonight, and I'm probably going to make some people mad. Probably going to make more than some people mad. Probably going to make a whole bunch of people mad. But I want you to talk me out of my opinion on this. I want you to share your thoughts. So we're going to get into the situation between the president and the attorney general, and we're going to get into the diplomacy efforts by one Lindsey Graham, who I happen to think the world of. I know a lot of people don't like him. Some of his policies bother me, but I think he's a really, really great servant to this country. Guy 30 plus years in the military. Come on. And yeah, he violates my term limits thing. So I I have mixed emotions on that. But you know the number. Write it down. 844-900-BUCK. 844-900-2825. Before we get too heavily into topics, I want to spend just a couple of minutes talking about another guy I have mixed feelings over and I, I, I I'm conflicted I'm talking about Senator John McCain I think John McCain is without question an American hero for what he did in Vietnam without question unblinking support for John McCain as a great American hero the guy had the opportunity to get out of a Vietnam POW camp where he was in one of those rat traps where they would put them in the water inside a cage and just let them float, and they would let the rats come up and mess with them. They would be, they'd have their heads above water. That's about it. It was brutal what they were doing to John McCain. John McCain was beaten by the Vietnamese. John McCain was tortured. John, that might explain some of John McCain's positions on torture. And then John McCain came home. But he came home later, later than he could have. The Vietnamese offered John McCain the ability to leave because it was some sort of, some sort of respectful gesture because his father was a uh, decorated military man because he was an officer. He could leave the prison. John McCain chose to stay behind with the rest of his men. If they weren't getting out, he wasn't getting out. And for that act alone, 
for the enduring the torture, for the bravery he exhibited in service to this nation, you have to call John McCain a hero. And it's there I depart with the president on his, his awful depiction of John McCain. Now, John McCain's service in the United States Senate, we differ on a few things. And as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm not going to hide it. I have been calling for John McCain to step down since early this year. And a lot of people are mad at me over it. And I did it without his name. I just said, if you have Senator A, who is 50% of the representation for a state in office, and they are incapable of doing the job you hired them to do, it is truly his responsibility to allow his constituents to have the support and the representation they deserve. And I thought John McCain should have stepped down. And I got some angry mail from people. How dare you? He's a hero. John McCain's a gigantic hero. He's a huge hero. But I think the people of Arizona deserve to have somebody in office doing the job they elected John McCain to do. That's what I'm saying. And so now we get the news today, the terribly sad news today, that John McCain's battle against the brain cancer, the I think it's called glioblastoma, the very aggressive brain cancer that has stricken him. He's losing it. He's losing the battle. And so John McCain announced through an announcement from his family, a release from the family, that he was going to end the efforts to fight his cancer. Terribly sad. Terribly sad. As someone... Someone who has lost two parents in the last two years and realizes the emotions required to put out that statement to tell the medical team we're not going to do any more medication. It's coming to the realization that it's over. So to John McCain and Cindy McCain, his wife, and the family, Megan McCain and all of the attached members of the McCain family, this is a terrible day. This is an awful day. This is a day no family wants to face. And I, I go back to John McCain as the hero again. Because while I disagreed with McCain on some of his actions in the Senate in the last few years, on how he treated the president. You can understand after what the president said about him. You can certainly understand how John McCain held a grudge against President Trump after what was said on the campaign trail, and God only knows. And I kind of wished publicly about two months ago that John McCain would have gotten a call from Donald Trump, maybe even a visit from the president as he was dealing with this battle privately at his family home. I think it would have been the most amazing thing for the president to do, to go out and put that, put that fight to bed. It didn't happen. And I don't think it's going to happen. Maybe a phone call has been scheduled. But that, to me, would have been 
the bigger thing to do. And I was raised by two great parents who always said, be the bigger man. So maybe the president missed an opportunity to bury the hatchet with John McCain. John McCain's not dead. People are sending me text messages. Did John McCain die? No, he didn't die. He just has surrendered the medical battle in his fight against the brain cancer that he has been so bravely standing up to. But unfortunately, it looks like it probably won't be a long time. So thank you for your service, John McCain. I wish I could shake your hand and thank you. I don't think that that's going to happen either. But I, I want to play just a tiny clip from an amazing interview with Jake Tapper. Tapper talked to McCain. I think this was the very last interview where he was discussing his cancer and DACA and his legacy. But I'm fighting cancer that I know I'm not going to beat. I don't know if I could be as stand-up and strong as John McCain. But he talked uh, to Tapper weeks ago, months ago, actually. And his attitude and his approach is something I hope I can mirror. So I'm getting the best treatment that anybody could get, and I'm very happy. I'm very happy with my life. I'm very happy with what I've been able to do. And there's two ways of looking at these things, and one of them is to celebrate. I am able to celebrate a wonderful life, and I will be grateful for additional time that I have. Uh Amazing. Amazing. I would have cracked like a hot piece of glass put under a cold stream of water. That's the John McCain. You got to remember. That's the John McCain who said, I know I could leave the prison camp, you bastards, but I'm not leaving my men. That's the guy you got to remember going forward. And so while, while he's alive and his family's getting to spend some quality time with him, I kind of feel like this is the announcement that we received about uh, 10 days ago when Aretha Franklin's family said Aretha is uh, in, in the hospital with friends and family and we're asking for prayers. So to the McCain family, you deserve our prayers and our thanks and a big hug. And thank you, Senator McCain, for your service. I still stand by everything I said for the people of Arizona, but you're a hero, sir. And uh, I, I wish I could tell you that to your face. And I wish the president could do that, too. Michael Pelka in for Buck Sexton. We have a boatload of stuff to cover tonight on a Friday night. Some of it's serious, like the last few minutes, and some of it kind of just downright silly. So we, we will deal with all of that in due time, in due course. I have to tell you, though, uh, before I uh, before I break, I, I have to remind you of my experience with one of Buck's sponsors. I I was an early adopter of the Simply Safe security systems. I was one of the people who, when we first started carrying Simply Safe, at uh, oh, you know what? They just told me, don't talk about that till the end of the hour. 
so I'll hold off. And I'll tell you what, we'll get back to this. I think I think we're going to be able to get into uh, the fight between the president and his attorney general with our friend, attorney Wendy Patrick. We're checking on that next. Michael Palka in for Buck Sexton on the Buck Sexton Show. Come on back. Michael Pelka in for Buck Sexton. Buck is on a special assignment. He'll be back on Monday. I'm hanging out in the Freedom Hut, but my Freedom Hut. This is the constitutionally protected free speech, First Amendment protected Freedom Hut, protected by the Second Amendment, I might add. Uh, So I'm, I'm hanging out on a Friday with you guys, and we're covering everything, everything we can. I will get to some of my outrage in just a little bit, but I want to talk about the uh, the madness of the last 24 hours between the president and his attorney general as things got crazy. Uh, but I need help. I need legal help. I also need psychological help. I realize that. So Wendy Patrick, our attorney friend and author, you can find her at wendypatrickphd.com, has agreed to join us from the road this evening. Wendy, uh, happy Friday to you, my friend. Are you, are you with me, Wendy? Oh, dear. Did we lose Wendy? I know she was I, on the... Yeah, I'm, I hear you fine. Okay, you can hear me. I, I can Good. hear you. Can you hear me? You sound great now, but let me do this, because you were correct last week when you predicted that the Manafort jury would come in early this week, and you were right, so let me open this uh, cola for you. Yeah. There it is. Open a can of Coke for you. Pour you a Coke. I, I know I owe you many. <laughs> well, I, I think I was right about that. What I did not expect was the Michael Cohen plea. That really was out of the blue. And for all of the leaking that goes on in this administration and in the Mueller probe, I didn't see that coming, Mike. Did you? No, I didn't. Uh, I was totally surprised by it, but it makes sense when you look at the speed with which all this is happening. Uh, And I want to get to that, but I want to ask you about this breakdown. Uh, We know that the president has not been pleased with his attorney general, especially since Jeff Sessions recused himself early. And people are saying maybe he should have told the president that before he was appointed, that he was intending to recuse himself. But it's been kind of out of control with the president throwing down and then the attorney general throwing down (laughs) and then Lindsey Graham trying to be peacemaker. Uh, It's it's palace intrigue at the highest level. But where are you on this, Wendy? Do you think uh, Sessions is going to be bumped after the midterms? I, that would be such a bad political move. Who are they going to confirm to replace him? One of the things that struck me uh, yesterday was that Session, you say Sessions threw down. It's the first time, Mike, that he's thrown down. He has taken a lot of, I don't want to say ridicule. Let's just say criticism, and we'll, defer that, we'll define that term broadly from this president. The president's tweet today was taunting, but it was probably in response to the fact that Sessions stood up for himself 
after the president said what he did in his Fox News interview when he basically said, you know, Jeff hasn't stepped up. And Jeff was right back saying, I took control of the Justice Department from day one. So, you know, one of the things we know about Sessions, and, and I watched his confirmation hearing very closely, you probably did too, is he stands up for himself when it's important and when he feels like his integrity is being questioned. That's what he did yesterday. And so the president fought back today. And I thought it was also interesting. They had a meeting yesterday, apparently, at the White House, and the topic of their public Twitter Twitter feud never came up. Can you imagine that? Awkward. Well, uh, uh, awkward, yeah. But at the same time, at the very same time, the world is is absolutely obsessed with this going, oh, Trump hates Sessions. Sessions hates Trump. And then you hear Lindsey Graham go, well, he was at the White House yesterday sitting down with the president. You and your imitations. That's exactly what he sounded like. I love it. You're you're right. And he is trying to play peacemaker. He probably would love to see there be a some kind of a resolution. But, you know, Sessions isn't going to run out and open all these investigations into Democrats and into Mueller and into me just because the president taunted him by tweet to do it. So it really does leave the specter as what is going to happen after the terms. But the president has to be talked off the ledge as usual. He's probably being, you know, counseled by some of his advisors and cooler heads will prevail. That's my prediction. So don't go cracking another can of Coke until I win this one, too. I do not see him being fired after the midterms. That's interesting, because uh, last night with our, our buddy Shannon Bream, uh, Lindsey Graham said the, the following when uh, he was quizzed on it. But you don't have to be Dr. Phil to understand that the president and the attorney general do not have a good working relationship. Every president deserves an attorney general they have confidence in. As to Jeff Sessions, I've never met a finer man. He was a great senator. He's a great lawyer. I think he's been a good attorney general. But this is not working, so I hope the relationship gets better. If it doesn't, I would imagine the president is going to uh, look for a new attorney general because what's going on is unsustainable. I'm not blaming anybody. I love Jeff Sessions. But uh, from my point of view, the country is not being well served with as much friction. So there it is, Wendy. You are making the prediction. I'm going to vote with. That's right. That's right. And you know why, Mike? Because we need to do that in reverse order. We don't fire Jeff Sessions and then say, okay, now we're going to do a nationwide search for a replacement like we're trying to replace the CEO of a company. There needs to be, and there may be, we're not privy to the discussions behind the scenes, but there needs to be a plan B in place before the president fires Sessions. And that plan B has to include a name that can be confirmed. It has to be a workable practical replacement and thank you wendy uh, i'm, I'm up that. against uh, the gigantic soros machine we'll be back on the buck sexton show he's holding the line for america buck sexton is back well, he'll be back Monday. Michael Pelka sitting in for my friend Buck Sexton, coast to coast on the Buck Sexton Show. I love being here. I'm so thrilled to be here and uh, appreciate every opportunity to join you. Uh, I'm going to bring in a guest to talk about the uh, the process we're going through to make Judge Kavanaugh, Justice Kavanaugh. But I got to take a quick call from somebody I think moved out of Atlanta at least I think so. Rhett, you're in Alabama. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show. Well, thank you, Mike. I appreciate that, bud. I am enjoying your show. 
uh, listen to Buck every chance I get, but I'm certainly enjoying you today, so I, I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thank I, you, sir. Oh, I Go just ahead. want to chime in on Jeff Sessions, you know. Look yeah. here, I, I, w- I, was, I was at the rally when Jeff Sessions walked out on stage with a Make America Great Again hat on. And I got to tell you, I was, that was a proud moment. But I, I, I've gone from proud to disappointed to pure disgusted with Jeff Sessions. I think, and, and Rhett, I'm just going to put this out there for you. I think we need to see what time tells us. Because every great legal mind I've talked to said Sessions was right to recuse himself, maybe wrong not to tell the president he was going to do it before the appointment. But there are a lot of great legal minds like the one we just talked to, Wendy Patrick and others, who said, and uh, Greta Van Susteren, who said he was right to do it and we need to maybe watch history unfold and see. I understand because we all want the president to go full speed ahead and keep moving forward. But, um, you know, this one, I think a little bit of this is uh, being played for the media. I'm just throwing that out there, you know. Yeah, there's, a lot, there's a lot of people out there that hope that, you know, and I, and I certainly hope it myself. But, but if all they can come up with is uh, internal revenue problems and parking tickets, the Russia crap is over. Yeah, oh, definitely, 100%. With you a hundred percent, and I'm going to get into the internal revenue thing a little bit later. So you got to stick around. But I, I sure thank you for joining us in the Freedom Hut tonight. Uh, you got to stick around for the conversation we're about to have uh, because I think this is a, a line in the sand that we're drawing uh, as uh, we deal with the the next phase of the change of the Supreme Court. So thank you, Rhett. Appreciate it. Have a great rest of your day. I have to uh, confess, earlier today, I was hoping to get some insight to where we are with uh, Judge Kavanaugh and his process towards being Justice Kavanaugh. So I spoke with John Malcolm from uh, Heritage, the Heritage Foundation. Uh, John Malcolm, great, great constitutional brain, a protector of liberty and freedom. And I said, uh, John, would you hang out and talk to me about where we are with Judge Kavanaugh? I know it's Friday evening. He goes, yeah, okay, we'll get it done. So uh, welcome, John Malcolm, to the Buck Sexton program, sir. Appreciate your being here. Happy to be with you. Now, John, I, I quizzed you earlier today, squeezed you for some info. If you had seen the basketball court at the Supreme Court, you said, yeah, you haven't played on it yet, but it's probably a bucket list thing. And I think <laughs> I, I think it's cool that it's up there. But I have one more question, one more wonky Washington question for you. Sure. Have you seen the bowling alley in the White House? I have not played on it, but I have seen it. A lot of my friends have, in fact, played on it, but I have, but have gone bowling at it. But I have seen it, yes. I am dying to roll uh, a few <laughs> All frames. All the major sporting venues I've, I've gotten to see. <laughs> yeah, that, you know, nobody knew how much. And now the swimming pool at the White House was covered over to make the press room years ago. And underneath that press room where Sarah Sanders holds forth, there is a, a swimming pool that JFK used, but LBJ didn't like. Have you signed the wall of the swimming pool underneath I- the press room? No, I have been on the old yacht 
presidential yacht, the Sequoia, before Jimmy Carter sold it. But I have not seen the wall <laughs> where the where the pool is in the White well, House. Underneath the White House uh, press room, uh, all the TV equipment needed to broadcast all those press events is in the pool. It's an empty swimming pool, so it's all tiled <laughs> and and it's there. And every reporter and camera crew for the last 50 years has gone down there with a magic marker and signed the wall. And a lot of the presidents have, too. Um, uh, yours truly was fortunate enough to tag the White House, as it's known, about <laughs> about nine years ago. But n- not enough about that. So you need to ask your buddies in the White House next time you're in, can I see the pool? Can I sign the wall? You got I will. And, and look for it. Look for my name. You'll sign. I've made a big. I'm right by Anderson Cooper, actually, on the wall. That's my. I'll, I'll keep an eye out for it. My brush with greatness. So where are we with uh, Judge Kavanaugh becoming Justice Kavanaugh? I know Schumer wants to shut it down, but can he? No, I really don't think he can. Uh, you know, I, the, the Democrats see that this is going badly. Judge Kavanaugh is a superbly qualified uh, nominee, and you're not hearing any peep of any defection by any of the Republicans. Of course, the majority is incredibly slim. It's only with John McCain in Arizona and not coming back to Washington. Uh, It's a 50 to 49 majority. But you're not really hearing any noises about any Republicans defecting. Uh, Rand Paul, there was some concern about it at one point, but after he met with Judge Kavanaugh, he said, I'm in, I will vote to confirm him. So the Democrats are certainly shouting an awful lot about what a threat this is to abortion rights because they're trying to appeal to either Susan Collins or Lisa Murkowski. So far, that doesn't appear to be working. Judge Kavanaugh has now met with both Senators Collins uh, and Murkowski. So the next thing they're trying to do is come up with anything that will delay this. If they delay it, maybe something pops up uh, that, uh, that they can use, maybe hoping against hope the Democrats retake the majority in the Senate and can scuttle the nomination. Maybe something else happens with President Trump and makes him so unpopular that his nominee to the Supreme Court loses steam. But I don't think any of those things are going to happen. I mean, the latest salvo, I mean, first of all, the, the, a lot of the Democrats said, well, we need to see every scrap of paper that ever crossed Brett Kavanaugh's desk during the time he was the staff assistant uh, to President George W. Bush. They don't want to look at all at any of the over 300 opinions that Judge Kavanaugh has written, which show that he's eminently qualified to sit on the Supreme Court. And, of course, they want to see all these papers, even though they have already proclaimed that they have no intention of voting uh, for Judge Kavanaugh at all. The latest is, of course, in light of the Michael Cohen plea and the Manafort guilty uh, verdict that somehow President Trump is tainted and, you know, we can't trust anybody he would nominate and maybe this guy will say it, it's all horse hockey. And I, I really don't remember anybody saying anything on either side of the political aisle back in the 90s when Justices Stephen Breyer and Ruth Bader Ginsburg were nominated and confirmed to the Supreme Court when the Whitewater investigation was going on. And Bill Clinton was certainly under investigation. Nobody dreamed of suggesting that there there should be a vacancy and we should delay until the Whitewater investigation was somehow completed. It's not this is a ploy and it's not going to gain any traction at all those confirmation hearings will begin on september 4th and judge kavanaugh i am hoping will be confirmed uh before or around october 1st which is when the supreme court resumes hearing oral arguments 
This is uh, good news for me because I respect the work done by the Heritage Foundation. John Malcolm's with us, one of the VPs from Heritage. You should go there, heritage.org. Something I heard from um, a very respected voice in the media, uh, Dana Perino, who I know she's on Fox, but I think she's also fair. I really think she gives a, a really honest, fair opinion on things. And she was talking about the Democratic senators who've already said they're not going to vote uh, yes in any way, shape or form for uh, Judge Kavanaugh to be to be moved through committee. Uh, But she was saying it's not like they're not going to show up because no senator alive is going to miss TV time and their (laughs) chance to get in front of the camera and rail uh, two months before a midterm election and rail against the other side. Uh, you're saying that, too. No one's going to avoid the hearings, are they? No, I, I sincerely doubt it. You're going to want to hear, uh, you know, Senator Senator Whitehouse talk about dark money supporting uh, uh, Judge Kavanaugh and others are going to talk about how the president outsourced uh, his selection to the Heritage Foundation, the Federalist Society, which is a bunch of nonsense uh, as well. There are at least two Democrats on the, on the committee, Cory Booker and Kamala Harris, who give every indication that they're running uh, for president, so they will try to out-rhetoric each other. Uh, <laughs> and indeed, Cory Booker, I don't know how you get, uh, you, you get more overheated rhetoric than, than Cory Booker's statement that anybody who would vote for Judge Kavanaugh it would be complicit in evil. But, you know, look, if there's a way to top that rhetoric, I'm sure we'll see it during the confirmation hearing. Well, I can't wait. What is it, four days of hearings total? Yeah, so the first day will be opening statements by the senators and a few introductory statements by supporters of Judge Kavanaugh. The next two days will be the actual questioning of the nominee uh, himself. And then the last day will be divided between some people who think that you know, Judge Kavanaugh is the greatest in sliced bread and other people who think that Judge Kavanaugh is somehow the devil incarnate. Well, I, I cannot. As a political fan and a guy who loves watching these hearings this is maybe the most important one we've had during the trump presidency i can't wait to see it but more importantly i appreciate you john malcolm for uh giving us the insight on this we will be looking forward to it gosh it's under two weeks before we get this it's just around the corner yeah, yep. we, and then uh, that's right. Grab your popcorn and uh, and and <laughs> sit down. And and other than for the nominee, it ought to be fun to watch. We might be uh, two weeks from today celebrating a signing, a swearing in. Right? Is that possible? No, no. Look, you got to have the oh, it's October the hearings. That right after Labor Day. Yeah, you got to have the hearings. Then there'll be a week or two. The Democrats will delay it as long as they can before there is a vote out of committee. And then it goes to the floor of the Senate, where once more the Democrats will try to delay it as long as they can. But they can only delay it. They cannot stop it. Uh, and so he will either be confirmed or, or rejected uh, around October 1st, if not before. I have no reason why it can't happen before October 1st, so that on day one when the hearing argument, Judge Kavanaugh will be Justice Kavanaugh and be one, up, seated up there on the, on the bench. Great. Thank you. Thank you, John Malcolm. We appreciate you so much, sir. Heritage Foundation, heritage.org, people. Go there. Have a great rest of your weekend, sir. Great to be with you. Oh, I love hearing that. I love hearing that you can't stop the Trump train. I love hearing that. And uh, now I want to find out how we can get into the Supreme Court basketball court and also into the White House bowling alley. It's one of those things we have to do. Michael Pelka, in for Buck Sexton. We have more to do. Come on back. 
Michael Pelka is my name, a.k.a. the godfather in the parlance of the Freedom Hut. I'm sitting in for my friend Buck Sexton. Still the Buck Sexton Show if you want to join the conversation. 844-900-BUCK. That number's open all night long. We'll get to what the heck is going on in North Korea, plus complications with China. I have to talk about... Oh, I have to talk about MSNBC and its flatulence problem. But first, I need to tell you, look, you're home. You want to keep it safe. And I've been someone who has a simply safe home security system going on five years. It's that simple. When they first came on board with us, I grabbed one of the Simply Safe home security systems, and yeah, of course, they gave us a little break uh, for being a member of the, of, of the advertiser that supported them, the advertising community. And guess what? A year into my relationship, the, uh, the discount went away, but the price was so cheap and the system was so good and you own it, I stuck with Simply Safe. Now, that little company is valued at over a billion dollars. And as I said, I've been with them a long time when they were just five guys working together. Now, the, the founder only started the company because he wanted to help his friends who were burglarized. Now, boom, billion dollars. Why? Well, it's because it works. It's simple to set up. They have around-the-clock professionals monitoring, and they will connect to police to dispatch in case there's a problem at your place. So you get protection from intruders, fires, leaks, burst pipes, and it's so simple. It works during power outages, downed Wi-Fi, even if somebody, a bad guy, smashes the keypad. So check them out. Simply safe. No contracts, no hidden fees, 24-7 monitoring, and it's only $14.99 a month for that. CNET, PCMag, The Wirecutter, and all of those tech geniuses called Simply Safe their top pick for home security. So order your Simply Safe system now. Buck Sexton listeners get free shipping and free returns. Visit simplysafe.com slash buck. Simplysafe.com slash buck. Protect your home with Simply Safe today. Simplysafe.com slash buck. Now, there's a problem at MSNBC. And if you're not following me on Twitter, then you can't participate in my vital question poll on this MSNBC problem. This is from the website blindgossip.com. I know, I know, we're not supposed to be reading the gossip, but this is so good. And they've been really accurate in many cases. The... uh, Blind Gossip reports, which cable news host at MSNBC has such terrible flatulence that guests are running from from the studio after appearing on the show? Producers have reportedly tried everything from fans to air fresheners, even removing the spicy food. (laughs) I'm sorry. Even... (laughs) No Taco Tuesdays at MSNBC, at least not anymore. Even removing the spicy food from the host dressing room. (laughs) Nothing apparently is working. And it's gotten so bad that now when you get off the elevators on the MSNBC floor at 30 Rock, right there in Midtown Manhattan, you can tell if that person's in the building. (laughs) 
So I'm asking, and I know I'm having, I'm laughing harder at this than anybody else. I'm asking who you think is the um, the flatulence <laughs> supply at MSNBC. It's it's my poll. I put it on my Twitter account at StuntBrain. You can go and vote there. You still got 17 hours left to go. Uh, I'm thinking we need a poll. Who's the MSNBC Matt Farter? Is it Chris Matthews? Is it Mika Brzezinski? Could it be Rachel Maddow or Al Sharpton or somebody else? You can add, add to this. But uh, Chris Matthews currently in last place with just 9%. Mika in uh, fourth, third place with 21%. Al Sharpton with 29 And Rachel Maddow in the lead. Uh, I See, seriously, I would have thought it would have been Matthews. I'm just saying. Sometimes the seniors have a little problem with, with the gas. That's all I got to say about that. Go ahead and vote. Go ahead and vote. Uh, we will uh, be posting the results tomorrow, actually in about 17 hours. Who do you think is the MSNBC mad farter? I know. Buck doesn't go this highbrow, does he? Michael Pelka in for Buck Sexton. We'll talk about Trump and China and North Korea just around the corner on the Buck Sexton Show, but you got to be here. Come on back. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One Make, Make no mistake. America. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Well, it's uh, Michael Palka sitting in for my friend and my former colleague and my buddy Buck Sexton on the Buck Sexton Show. I'm also known as the Godfather in these quarters, so I'm happy to be here. Not the mob movie Godfather, but the old school movie Godfather. And since it's Friday, uh, later on, I have to read you some clips from one of the most devastating movie reviews I have ever read. I love bad movie reviews. I have a certain schadenfreude when I read about a terrible movie and it's taken apart by a reviewer. So we'll get to that later. Today, President Trump announced that uh, the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, was not going to be heading to North Korea. This is a day after we heard that, in fact, there was a new envoy to North Korea, a guy who was a big executive from Ford, and we were headed over there to keep things moving. But the president said, hold on a second. Things aren't really moving along the way we want them to move on the denuclearization. And so uh, the, uh, the Secretary of State's trip is on hold. And then he, he mentioned China, and he also said that he hopes to see the chairman soon. And it was kind of a friendly note to Chairman Kim, but kind of smack China. And I started thinking, there's a message here. And so I reached out to a, uh, a smart buddy of mine, uh, Benjamin Weingarten. If you're not following Benjamin on uh, Twitter, he's B.H. Weingarten, a former colleague of mine when I was at The Blaze and just a, a, a guy who's got a brain that needs a second head. He's got so much going on in there. And uh, Ben wrote about China a few weeks ago, a brilliant turn on the connection between Dianne Feinstein and a guy that was 
a Chinese spy pretty much inside her organization. So I figured, who better to talk about this? So welcome on a Friday night, taking time out of your schedule. Ben Weingarten, how are you, buddy? Mike, I'm doing well, and uh, thanks so much for having me and, and for the kind words. Appreciate it. Well, I, your piece was one of the deeper dives on the Feinstein thing, and nobody, nobody was talking about it except I think Glenn Beck talked about it considerably, and I think Buck may have uh, too as well. And it's the stuff that I just stare at the mainstream media and say, what the hell is wrong with you guys? You have a, a senior senator who has been uh, so important in this country, and she had an insider right there in her office for decades, and no one's really talking about, about this at all, are they? Yeah, the story has really died, and I have another piece coming in, in The Federalist uh, likely next week that will talk about how it has died, and really the reaction has been, of course, non-existent from the media, but more damningly from my perspective, among the political class, and in particular congressmen, and in particular Republican congressmen, the response has been muted uh, to put it as diplomatically as I can, and I think that's a real damning indictment of all of Congress, all of an institution which supposedly cares a lot about foreign meddling and influence in American politics, yet when it comes to someone who, as you noted, a former chairwoman of the Senate Select Intelligence Committee, someone with access to the most sensitive intelligence information, clandestine activities, uh, the crown jewels of intelligence, to have someone who worked for her for 20 years and reportedly was recruited by the Chinese KGB or FSB, essentially, their Ministry of State Security, to collect intelligence on her is a massive, massive security breach. And for any of the myriad questions that one should ask about that relationship not to be asked is a real indictment of our political class and what I went into in my piece was the much broader context that really makes this one individual alleged spy part of a much broader Feinstein-China mosaic. Yeah, and it's not just the time that we heard, because we heard it was like 20 years, but you're saying there's been a 40-year, the word you use, and I love this great SAT word, dalliance with Diane Feinstein, 40 year, four decades of contact and that, to me, should be warranting uh, an appearance across from Chucky Todd, where he would ask the questions, but they won't dare. Uh, I would love to have seen Wolf or J uh, Jake Tapper, because I think Tapper might even try and push it. But nobody's covering it, Ben. And then we yeah. get today the president's news on North Korea pulling back Pompeo's trip, but mentioning China. Do you think the White House might be diving into the China situation with Feinstein and looking deeper on this? Well, President Trump was really the first politician to raise anything about this issue. In fact, the popular media, I suspect, would not have covered this at all were it not for the fact that the president brought up Feinstein's relationship with China and this particular spy in context of Trump-Russia. So in other words... And in particular, there are two linkages. One is, Feinstein is one of the people in the Senate, one of the senior most leaders there, who is leading the charge of the Trump-Russia collusion uh, allegations, which have been 
to this point, a nothing burger, essentially, to use a popular term of the political class. And what Trump brought up was the hypocrisy that Senator Feinstein here had an actual spy in her house associated with the Chinese government, yet she is bringing up uh, Russia-Trump collusion, which has been disproven. I mean, the only spies that we know of that were within the house of Trump were spies that were implanted by our own law enforcement institutions. So it's quite amazing. And then uh, Senator Lindsey Graham, subsequent to that, brought up the fact that, look at this double standard. Senator Feinstein had a spy in her house, apparently, and the FBI came to her immediately, voiced their concerns, and then he was let go, although not prosecuted, which is amazing and a story in and of itself. Uh, but in the case of Trump, officials made the decision not to tell him anything about potential Russian efforts to try to infiltrate his campaign, his administration, his office. So there, there's a hypocrisy and a double standard here, which the Trump White House brought up. But there has not been follow-up of the, the core question, which is Senator Feinstein's long-time, 40-year-long links to the highest ranks of the Chinese Communist Party, her taking very favorable lines to the Chinese Communist Party throughout her career as a senator, and her own personal profiting by way of her husband, who's a very large investor in China, which benefited from the very policies that she was supporting. It, it's more than disturbing that someone who is in her position has had that kind of close relationship with an adversary like China, who, of course, backs and really directs, in my view, the North Korean regime, which brings us right to today's news. Yeah, I, I think what happened today was really a smackdown of China and trying to get the message across to uh, Xi Jinping that Donald Trump knows what's going on. And I, I don't know if we can tie it directly to the, the great work you've done on the Feinstein story, but uh, I, I think it's worth us going after as, as loudly and as often as we can because the mainstream media isn't going to do it. So uh, I see some of our other colleagues in the media, like S.E. Cup, getting all upset about the way the president ended his tweet announcing that we weren't going uh, to be traveling. Uh, Pompeo and his crew was not going to be traveling over to North Korea. That instead, he, the president is looking forward to meeting the chairman and, and having a good, good time with him. But he kind of smacked China. Uh, were you miffed or upset about the terms of endearment, if you will, that the president used for uh, Chairman Kim? My read on the rhetoric is that this is highly tactical um, and reflects the administration's posture towards any number of hotspots around the world. Let's not forget, and, and the president has brought this up himself, when he was calling Chairman Kim Little Rocket Man, people were saying that the president was deranged and he's going to get us into World War III and we're going to have nuclear chaos and conflagration everywhere. And now we hear that, oh, the president is too soft on Chairman Kim. I view this, this whipsawing as tactical. Uh, and I think in some respects, he is giving the North Koreans and adversaries around the world kind of a taste of their own medicine in the, on the surface, unpredictability in terms of his responses to world leaders and one day being nice and the next day not being so nice to them. So I, I view it as tactical. And um, I, I think that people are trying to play on this narrative that the president befriends authoritarians. But in reality, he is challenging almost all of those world's authoritarians on using every lever of national power.
Yeah, he's he's challenging Xi Jinping. He's challenged Kim Jong Un. He's challenged Erdogan. He he's he is putting people into uh, his own diplomatic crosshairs. And I remind everybody that President Trump canceled the summit with Kim Jong Un a few days before he said, "Okay, it's back on." Because we got North Korea to get back in line. And it's been almost a year since we've had a missile test. Uh, we, we've seen some progress. Yes, it's not fast enough. But uh, I, I just think I agree with you on this. It is tactical 100 uh, percent. Ben Weingarten, where do we find you best? Is it the Federalist? Is it Twitter? Or are you just roaming the streets of Midtown Manhattan? BenWeingarten.com is where I compile uh, my podcast, Big Ideas with Ben Weingarten. I'd urge your listeners to check out this week's episode with a former CIA operative who goes into Feinstein, John Brennan, and, and uh, security revocations, security clearance revocations, and the like. I write primarily for the Federalist, but elsewhere, but it's all archived at my website, BenWeingarten.com, and follow me on Twitter at BHWeingarten. Yeah, it's on uh, iTunes, Big Ideas with Ben Weingarten, and you can get them all, including the one about the former CIA operative. And uh, I love the discussion of of pulling credentials. Yeah, I would do it in a heartbeat if people were doing what some of these guys were doing. Thank you, my friend. I I miss seeing you in person, but I appreciate you taking some time on a Friday evening for us. Mike, it's my pleasure, and keep up the great work. Thank you, brother. Uh, There he goes, Benjamin Weingarten. As I said, check him out. Uh, And I also want to remind you, uh, check out our friends at ZipRecruiter. Yeah, that was a commercial transition. You know, hiring is a challenge, but there is a place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart a place where a growing business contact to uh, co- you connect with qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash Sexton. ZipRecruiter.com slash Sexton. ZipRecruiter will send your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, and they don't stop there. They have a powerful matching technology that ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and then invite them to apply for your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one. They spotlight the top candidates so you don't miss a great match ever. ZipRecruiter is so effective, 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. With results like that, no wonder ZipRecruiter has the highest rated hiring site in America. It is the highest rated hiring site in America. Right now, Buck Sexton listeners try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free at the exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Sexton, ZipRecruiter.com slash S-E-X-T-O-N. It's like you didn't know how to spell it. ZipRecruiter.com slash Sexton, the smartest way to hire. Michael Palka in for Buck Sexton. We'll be right back. Michael Pelka in for Buck Sexton on the Buck Sexton show, and I am uh, I'm dying to hear from you guys. I, I have a question. It's a social question, nothing to do with socialism. It's a question about our society, and this comes from a news item 
A restaurant in Germany named Oma's Kitchen, basically. A restaurant has caused an uproar in town as the owners put a sign in the window that said children, little children and infants will not be allowed inside the restaurant after 5 p.m. Basically, they've created what I call the dream situation. You see, I wanted to open a chain of fine dining or at least reasonably fine dining establishments and call it BFD, baby-free dining. And this comes from years of living in Midtown Manhattan where my wife and I would be out to dinner and you'd be sitting at your table trying to enjoy your meal and somebody would have a child, a loud child, or an antsy toddler, and in one case, a kid standing on the chair at the table next to us. The kid is standing on the chair, holding his arms out like Leonardo DiCaprio on the bow of the Titanic, screaming, King of the World! But in this case, the kid was singing. And I shot the look over at the mother. You know, it started with side eye, and nobody caught the side eye. So then I turned my head and cocked it slightly to the right to indicate my displeasure, furrowed my brow, and gave her the look that really just says, really, lady, you want to ruin it for everybody else? So I endorse what this restaurant has done. And I want to know where you stand on this. Do you think, is this okay? Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah. Yeah. I really want to know. 844-900-BUCK. 844-900-2825. We'll weigh in on this throughout the next few minutes and talk about whether or not it is a real deal. But here's the, uh, the update. After just a couple of weeks of BFD, baby-free dining at this restaurant in Germany, what do you think has happened to business? What do you think has happened to the business of the place that has caused an uproar among so many young parents who are like, you can't, you can't keep us out? Business, according to the owners, has doubled. Doubled. Now, this is why I support it. I think there are people like me and maybe even people like you who might be parents who have been in a restaurant, and your child misbehaved. But when you wanted to go out on the town, maybe you experienced the similar situation because karma, karma's real, people. It comes back, that hammer comes back and swings and hits you right in the back of the head. So let me know where you stand on this. We will discuss. And uh, I'm sure someone's going to think I'm insensitive and this is discrimination. Although... This audience has a tendency to be uh, more libertarian thinking, to say that the business can do what they want and you will vote with your wallet or your feet and maybe go somewhere else. Just an interesting turn on freedom. And surprising it's happening in Germany because you know if it happened here in America, if somebody put up a sign on a casual dining restaurant, I'm not talking about Applebee's. I'm not talking about Mickey D's. I'm talking about, and not even Chuck E. Cheese. I'm talking about a restaurant where you have a cloth tablecloth, where you have cloth napkins, and maybe uh, menus that aren't 17 pages long at a, at a diner. 
So uh, I'm dying to know. Oh, Joe is checking in from Panama City, Florida. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, Joe. How are you doing? Well, you tell me. Am I cutting it right for you tonight? Uh, you, you, you had that right, man. And you were saying how the kid was just standing up in the chair? Yeah, he was standing on the chair with his arms open and singing, and the whole place could hear it. But uh, and the mother just looked at me like, isn't he wonderful? You're said, lucky. You're yeah. lucky you got off easy. Around here, the kids just running up and down the aisle to the restaurant. They, the mothers allow the children just to walk up to other tables oh. and bother <laughs> other patrons in the restaurants. Well, this is why I think there's a marketplace. I think there's a marketplace for all this stuff. There's a marketplace for kids. There's a marketplace for adults. There's a marketplace for baby-free dining. So you would be a supporter, right, Joe? Absolutely. I mean, I love kids. I have a bunch of them myself. But when everybody's out trying to have a good time, there is no reason for everybody to think that their children are so special that they deserve to ruin the evening for every other patron in the restaurant. Be like Joe, people. Call the show, 844-900-BUCK, 844-900-2825. Come on back. He's back with you now, because when it comes to the fight for truth, the buck never stops. Well, the buck has stopped for today. He'll be back Monday. Mike Opelka in for my friend Buck Sexton, sitting in my own little free speech bunker on the shores of the Delaware Bay. Location not important because we don't need any interlopers. We must have stumbled into a hot topic here. I saw a story about a restaurant in Germany that has banned infants and small children after 5 p.m. You cannot bring an infant or a small child into a restaurant, you know, one with cloth napkins and tablecloths, etc. And people, there are people who've lost their mind. But the restaurant's experienced a doubling in its business in the short period of time. And I said, I endorse this. I had a dream once to open up a chain of restaurants similarly inclined in this country called BFD, Baby Free Dining. And then people told me I was insensitive. And I said, well, okay, what about one night a week that's BFD? One night a week where people like me and my wife and maybe some other parents even who go get a sitter for the night can enjoy some silence. Somebody just texted me and said, you're lucky you didn't get a roll thrown at you at that restaurant where the kid was standing on the chair singing like he was on the bow of the Titanic. King of the world. But uh, a lot of you have chimed in and the the phones are are open at 844-900-BUCK, 844-900-2825. Let's check in with Matt in Pittsburgh Matt, welcome to the program. Are you with me or are you again me? I'm kind of in the middle on this one, but I hope you follow with what I have to say. Okay. I've raised several children, my wife and I, and we've taken them to some of the nicest restaurants in our area. And we two times, because of sick kids or something, we had to leave. And, and when it got fussy, we got them left. We weren't interrupting anyone else's time. Um, but, but see, you were... What you need is, you're a parent free dining. 
<laughs> that's it's an interesting parent. angle. But Matt, but really, if you got a kid standing on a chair carrying on, that's the parent's fault. That sure, is it is not the kid's fault. Yeah, but the, but but for the permission to bring the child, you're right. The parents aren't the same parents I had and you had and your kids had. I'm one of nine kids. Think about that, Matt. Nine kids. Wow. We didn't go out to dinner to fancy places that often. But when we did, if you so much as got out of line for a half a second, you got your dinner in a takeout plate and you ate it in the car because my dad wasn't playing. So uh, I, I understand your point at the parents, but if you prevent the opportunity from happening, because you can't fix bad parenting in one meal. But uh, you, you may be able to prevent it. But it's a good one. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. Checking in with Thank Lori in Columbus, Georgia. Lori, welcome to the Buck Sexton Show. Uh, am I right? Am I wrong? Am I crazy? I think you're dead on. I think <laughs> you'd be rolling in dough. Yeah, you think I so? I'd be, be one of those people that would be there every night. Now, it, uh, it's got ridiculous. Do, do you have children? I have zero children, but I like to enjoy, especially, let's say, I work the night shift at work, and I want to have breakfast and read the Sunday morning paper before I go home and go to bed, and all these folks bring these screaming kids, and you can't seem to get a waitress to take the hint that you want a quiet spot, and they'll put you in a quiet spot, and then the very next person they put at table next going to be somebody with half a dozen kids. Now, if this but works... My parents, beg your pardon? I was going to say, if this idea works, Lori, I didn't mean to cut you off, uh, I, I think we could take this in a broader spectrum to other businesses. I envision... How about the movie theater? Uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> a movie theater, which is baby-free. Um, uh, 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 an airline, which is baby-free. I would think we would have a market we could tap into here. Uh, I attended, I lived in New York City for 25 years. My wife and I just moved out. And there was a time, I I couldn't make this up. We were at a movie in Jersey City, New Jersey, nearby where I worked, in the middle of the afternoon, and a woman was changing a baby in the row in front of me, in the theater, as the movie was going. And that's a health hazard. Well, yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> it made me nuts. Well, Lori, when we start I'm the sorry, company, I'm a nurse, so I, I'll be, I'll be telling you real quick. That's a, that's a uh, health hazard. I believe it. I believe it, and uh, I appreciate you for caring for people. And nurses are just undervalued, and uh, we gotta appreciate you more. When we start the BFD company, I'll let you know because maybe you'll be a partner with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Mark in Jackson, Mississippi, wants to weigh in on my unusual idea here. Mark, are you with me or are you again me? I'm with you 100%. Now, do you have kids? Yeah, they're all grown now. But um, back in the 80s when I was in the service, I was stationed in Germany. You can take your dog to a restaurant, but let me tell you, you talk child in there, you got some nasty looks. <laughs> um, Boy, that's a good point. Was, I forgot about that. It, a lot of Europe allows you to bring your dog into a restaurant. But not huh. the children. They don't want to be disturbed. 
and the dog has got to be on, I mean, impeccable behavior. There's no accidents allowed. Well, um, yeah, of course. But I'm, I'm all with you. When I was, you know, bringing up my children, we went McDonald's, Burger King, Subway, that kind of stuff, because we didn't want to disturb other people. And when we got a babysitter and went out for dinner, last thing I wanted was someone else's screaming Mimi sitting next to me having a food fight with his mama. Now, you bring up a really interesting point here, Mark. Uh, first of all, let me let me say thank you for your service and remind everybody it's Red Shirt Friday. I'm wearing a red shirt today. I wear a red shirt every Friday because it means remember everyone deployed, and I want you guys to start doing that. We did it last Friday. We're doing it this Friday. But you brought up something really important, critical in in your thinking here, Mark. You talked about the fact that you were thinking about everybody else in the restaurant when you thought about whether or not you should bring your kids there. And we don't do that anymore. It seems like we think about ourselves before we think about everybody else in the room, and that's what's missing. If we if we flip the script on that and go back to where you were raised, where I was raised, I think we wouldn't need baby-free dining because parents would have made the decision well ahead of time. But again, thank you for your yeah. service, Mark. Appreciate you for being there. Uh, got a check-in with Carol in Florida in the uh, question on baby-free dining. Carol, am I with? Are you with me or are you against me? <laughs> I am with baby-free dining. <laughs> Good. Good. See, are you a parent? No, I'm not. Um, I wanted to be, but unfortunately, that was not God's will. Okay, but. My husband and I, we were, we are in a position where we can get out to eat several times a week at fine dining restaurants, and I just cannot stand it when um, uh, parents bring their young children to the restaurant where I'm trying, my husband and I and perhaps another couple are trying to enjoy a fine dinner. Uh, beef, bourguignon, you know, seasoned salad, la, 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 la. And there are children running around, um, coming up to our table or screaming and yelling at their parents, at the parents' table. Um, no, you know, I will not go back there. Just well, see, that's the interesting thing. You vote with your feet and your wallet. Now, I think that's, I think that's the way we let businesses know. And in the case of this German restaurant, business has doubled in the few short weeks that they have had BFD. And to all the people texting me going, look, Mike, BFD means something different. I know. That's why we say it. We're trying to get a, a rise out of you. Well, thank you, Carol. Now you got me thinking about beef bourguignon and a tableside Caesar salad <laughs> and maybe a nice, nice Cabernet breathing on the side. Exactly, exactly. We just want to have a nice adult conversation uh, amongst each other, you know, and not have at one point um, in one very nice Mexican restaurant, actually, there was child running around screaming around all the tables and um, the food was wonderful, but we just got up and left and did not pay the bill. That's are you dining? 
You dine and dash because of bad behaving kids? I don't know if I can endorse that, Carol. I, I, I tell you to go and sin no more. But I pre- while I, I can't endorse your behavior, I understand it, is what I guess I should say. Thank you for no, calling you well, guys. Why should, I, why should I? The waitresses, apparently they were some of the staff's children. Why, oh. should I, why should I tolerate that? I'm trying to have a fine meal in a fine restaurant. And these kids are running around. There were like three of them running around screaming, coming up to our table, putting their fingers in our food. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, it ended right there. I would have walked too. You've, you've convinced me. Thank you, Carol. Have a great rest of your weekend. I hope you get a fine dining experience this weekend. Everyone should if they can. Uh, it's, it's great. Uh, we got to check in with Tim in Ohio. Tim, you're calling on a different subject. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show. Hey, thanks for having me on. I've, I've talked to Buck Sexton several times. Good. But uh, listen, I had a, I had a brother-in-law uh, died from brain cancer. And uh, about two months ago, I had a very close older friend, a wonderful man, died of brain cancer. And I'm not wishing this horrible thing on John McCain. But let me tell you something. The way people gush over John McCain, I just want to make this statement. And I want people to understand because most people don't know this. He was responsible for 134 deaths. On, on the aircraft carrier that he was on because he was playing a joke. He was being a hot shot. And then, okay, he, he was beaten and suffered in Vietnam. But you know what? He cooperated and worked with the Viet Cong and trained the NVA missile operators to shoot down our aircraft. So he was not only responsible for the USS Forrestal, 130-some deaths, but he was also responsible for the deaths that came. And, and you look it up, I'm telling you, the increased amounts of shot-down planes after he gave the information to the NBA SAM missile operators. Tim, and Tim, you, and you want to call Tim, him hero, uh, uh, Tim hold why. on. Hold on, Tim. I'm going to look it up, and I let you have your piece. But I don't politically agree with a lot of what John McCain did in his, some of his remaining years of action in the Senate. But I, I'm going to say, I'm going to flat out say to you, I believe John McCain was an American hero in his service to this country. I will do my due diligence before I refute what you said. But I will dig deeper because I'm sure there would have been a movie made about it had it been actually as you have presented it. But thank you for airing and venting your spleen here. Michael Pelka is my name. I'm sitting in for Buck Sexton, my friend Buck Sexton. He's off today, back Monday, and uh, we're trying to hold up our end. Thank you for hanging out with me. We'll be right back. Michael Pelka in for my buddy Buck Sexton on this Friday night. And uh, as Maxine Waters would say. Reclaiming my time. Yes, I am. I'm reclaiming my time. I want to take one more call about the baby free dining idea. So, Bill in Florida, 
You get the last word on baby free dining. Good idea, bad idea. How okay. are you, sir? Mike, Mike, you're doing a good job. I gotta Thank give you. you that. Now, you know, as far as law enforcement goes and stuff, and I'm retired with that. But you know, if uh, if they serve beer or wine in that restaurant, there shouldn't be no children in there anyway. Period. Well, they sell now. beer at Chuck E. Cheese. Well, you know, it may be not here. They don't. Not where I'm at here in Florida. But you know what? Hey, they could put up a sign on the door that says adult people only. You know, if they want to clear it, I'm with you on this one. You know, so there's no disturbance over the children or whatever's going on. Okay. But, you know, adults are adults and kids are kids. Yes, I, I, I'm with you on that distinction. So I'll put you down as a yes vote. Thank you, Bill. Have a great You're weekend. Welcome. And and now reclaiming my time. Yes, I'm reclaiming my time. I I, I have a I, the tally was overwhelmingly favorable for baby free dining. I think there were just one or two people who said I'm kind of in the middle. But you can't be in the middle. You have to make up a t- make up your mind. Make a damn decision, people. Either you're for the baby free dining or against it. But you can't be squishy. All right, I I have to talk a little bit more about. Uh, Maxine Waters. Reclaiming my time. Yes, of course. Yeah, of course. Now, the president in Ohio tonight giving a, a little campaign support to congressional candidates. And he said something about uh, Maxine Waters. And uh, I, I've got more to say about Auntie Max. And this is what just happened a few moments ago at the campaign event in Ohio. The truth is, a vote for any Democrat at this point in November is a vote for Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, and who? The legendary Maxine Waters, the de facto head of the Democrat Party. She's the de facto head now. Congratulations. Maxine didn't know it. I'm just telling her. She doesn't know it. Yeah, I think she believes it. You know, I... I honestly think that uh, Pelosi and crew have got Maxine tied in a basement somewhere in her district, duct taped to a chair to get her to stop saying things about impeachment because they know the impeachment word is is nuclear hot. But we'll get into what's going on with the impeachment word. I know Buck played that montage last night, but there's a push going on. The real agenda is impeach, impeach, impeach. And that's why the president's continuing to bring it up at his rallies and at presses, press events. He made a questionable statement yesterday about whether or not the market would crash. We'll talk about that. Michael Pelka in for Buck Sexton on the Buck Sexton Show. Join us right after the break. Come on back. Buck Sexton. Permission decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. Ready. You're a great American again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Buck Sexton Show. Michael Pelka sitting in for my friend Buck Sexton on this Friday evening. Buck will be back Monday. Happy to be here. I'm also known as the godfather to many of you in this audience, so I'm glad to be here. I hope you are riding along with me for the remainder of the program. We have a lot to do. We have to get to some really important topics. If you were here earlier, 
You heard me talk about John McCain, Senator John McCain, who announced through his family today that he was ending his treatments for his brain cancer. And while I have differed with John McCain on many ways in how he has governed in the past few years, I still call John McCain a war hero. And there are people who take exception with that. And uh, I'm sorry, we're going to agree to disagree. And people get very, very heated about it. John McCain served this country. There are a million people currently, and I give or take a few numbers here and there, who volunteered to serve this country. John McCain is one of those people who served this country. And in the course of doing his duty, being deployed He was a prisoner of war. He was tortured. He had the option to leave and would not leave his men. John McCain is a war hero. And so I I don't have a problem saying that. And I said earlier, I wish the president would have reached out to John McCain and tried to heal the wounds between the two. There's obviously a whole bunch of bad blood between Donald Trump and John McCain. A whole bunch. And I'm sure a lot of it was caused by some of the things the president said about McCain not being a war hero and didn't like his heroes being captured, etc. But my mama always said, be the bigger man. Be the bigger man. And I would like my president to be the bigger man. I said it months ago when John McCain left Washington it looked like he was heading home for the last few laps of his life that it would have been it would have been a great thing for for the president to do. I think it would have been a uniting and a healing thing for the president to have stopped by and reached out to John McCain. Now maybe he tried. Maybe Donald Trump tried and the McCain family said, "I'm sorry, we're we're not going to reach out." And, and connect with you. That could have happened. But we didn't hear anything about it. But now there was a chance. A chance tonight for the president in front of the audience that he was standing in front of tonight in Ohio to say something. I think he missed an opportunity. I think it would have been a really, really powerful moment for Donald Trump to have reached out and said something about John McCain. Apparently, according to some of my media friends, uh, John Berman over at CNN, and and Berman and I don't agree on everything, uh, maybe on much, but we agree on this. This was a missed opportunity for President Trump to reach out, say something about John McCain or about his family at this event in Ohio. Just... Sorry, Mr. President, and I'm sorry for those of you who are on the Trump train, but uh, maybe you're going to call me Neil Cavuto on this one. But I I think this was really one of those times that presidential behavior would have been uh, the preferable thing for my president. And yes, I don't have a problem. I have no hesitation in saying Donald Trump is my president. So... Sorry, sir. Now, he did bring up some other stuff. Uh, the president went after the uh, the New York governor. God, I'm glad we're out of New York, New York City. We lived in New York City for 25 years. 
I want you to think about that. Uh, New York City under Rudy Giuliani was a very different place. Uh, Rudy Giuliani fixed it after David Dinkins destroyed it. Bloomberg kind of had it limp along after Giuliani. And now Bill de Blasio is destroying it. But the governor, who I believe Cuomo has designs on the White House, his dad wanted it, couldn't get it done. And now he's following in his father's footsteps. But Mario Cuomo, the New York governor's father, liked New York. He liked America. He said America was great. But his son, no, not so much as we heard earlier this week. And the president brought that up in Ohio tonight. In crime. We have in New York a governor, Governor Cuomo. Sues everybody. You know, you go into that state, you get sued. That's why people don't want to move in. For that and the fact that it's the highest taxes. But if you go to New York, you get sued. And people are afraid to go to New York. They don't want to go. He recently stated that the new slogan was, America was never great. That was it. Now, he was so angry at me. You know, he hates me, truly hates me. He used to, he used to like me, but then I decided to run for office and he doesn't like me too much. Hey, Schumer used to love me. Hard to believe, isn't it? But Cuomo came out with that by mistake. He was so angered because make America great again. And he just said, oh, America's never going to be great again. And that was it. He walks off. It's like everyone said, what? And he was talking to socialists and they were going, whoa, what? Did you hear that? Did anybody hear the end of that where the crowd was going, whoa? He was said, uh, that's not a good one. I said, that's job threatening. Now, he's going to beat the person that's running in, an actress who, you know, but she could get a lot of votes, but he's going to win. But, you know, you go outside. I don't think somehow would that quote play instead of make America great again. We'll say America. How would that look in a hat? America was never great. <laughs> Exclamation. Does it work? Even Portman couldn't get elected with that. I don't think so. Right. So. I think the Democrats would probably try that. America was never that great. I would not put it past the Democrats to do that. And the president brought up Chuck Schumer. The president brought up Chuck Schumer. And I, I want to get back to my, my big topic this hour, and that is what the Democrats are really up to. The Democrats are up to two things. They believe that this president was not duly elected. They believe his election was not valid. They have said so from the very beginning. As a matter of fact, Maxine Waters talked about getting rid of Donald Trump before he was sworn in. She said this. He's going to be sworn in. But what I do not accept is that we stop investigating what has been a most unusual circumstance in the way that this election was conducted. So... Before he was even sworn in, Maxine said it's going to happen. And then over the course of the first year of the presidency, Maxine continued screaming about impeaching 45 and talked about how long it was going to take her to get it done. I believe it is possible to impeach him. Mm. How long is it going to take? I don't know, but I give it to about December. December, and I think okay. I give it to December. Our new special counsel, mm -hmm. Mr. Mueller, uh, has impaneled a grand jury, as you know, as of yesterday. Mm -hmm. And they will be involved with 
investigations, and they can do indictments also. So little by little, drip by drip, it's happening. But doesn't the vice president then so, become president? Uh, could be, and we'll get him next. <laughs> <laughs> what so, your thoughts on Trump? Interesting, saying? interesting that Maxine Waters has been on this jag since before the president was sworn in, continued it, and after the uh, Democrats d- decided that the, it wasn't testing well to talk about impeachment, it wasn't it wasn't a good thing to talk about impeachment. They kind of put Maxine Waters in a closet. Really? Have you seen her? Has anybody heard from Maxine Waters in the last month? No, we haven't. Because Nancy Pelosi has said, stop talking about impeachment. You're going to ruin it. Yeah, I, I think that is the only thing on their minds. The only thing, because if the Democrats can impeach Donald Trump, uh, they're, they're not going to move him out of the office. They're not going to write bills that'll get through the They might get through the House if they have the majority. They might get a, a bill to undo the tax cuts through the House, but I don't think they'll get through the Senate. And if those bills certainly get to the president's desk, let, let's, let's play what if. What if the Democrats win the House? Right now, all those experts, the same experts who said Hillary Clinton was a lock a week before the election, a day before the election. The same group of experts are now saying, well, it's a foregone conclusion that Republicans are going to lose 40 seats and they'll lose control of the House. If that happens, the bills go over to the Senate. Now, how does the Senate pass on a bill to undo the tax cuts, to undo the repatriation of American dollars that has spurred on one of the greatest economic surges in the history of any nation? How do they get the Senate to do that? But God forbid something happens and we lose control of the Senate. Do you think there would be an overwhelming majority, a veto-proof majority? Because if the bill comes to the White House, do you think Donald Trump's going to sign a bill that will undo all of the things? Well, if they impeach him, they're certainly not going to have 66 votes, 67 votes to throw him out. They couldn't even get that done for Bill Clinton in the Senate when he was impeached. So I I think they want to do it. They want to undo everything Donald Trump has done since January of 2017. And they believe they can. How, how certain am I they believe they can? Listen to Representative Al Green from Texas. Now, what what is the standard for impeachment? High crimes... And misdemeanors, high crimes and misdemeanors. That's what's supposed to be the standard for impeaching a president. Here's what Al Green thinks it should be. It is justice that we seek for the people of this country and the president should be impeached, doesn't have to commit a crime, only has to have his case brought before the House of Representatives and 218 people decide that he has committed an impeachable act. Nope. Did did you hear that correctly? Did I hear that correctly? Representative Al Green, not the soul singer Al Green, not Reverend Al Green, but Representative Al Green from Texas. The guy, I can never tell. I, is there something wrong with it? He's not, he's not uh, vision impaired because it always looks like whenever he talks, he closes his eyes. But he's he's talking about impeaching the president of the United States after he was elected by the people of the country 
and uh, seems to be saying that we don't need a crime in order to accuse someone of high crimes and misdemeanors. It is justice that we seek for the people of this country and the president should be impeached, doesn't have to commit a crime, only has to have his case brought before the House of Representatives and 218 people decide that he has committed an impeachable act. That happened today. That happened today. So you can expect Al Green to get a call from Nancy Pelosi's office and to be told that if you don't want to end up in the same cellar where we have Maxine Waters duct taped to a chair, you better tone it down, mister. You better tone it down. Michael Pelka in for Buck Sexton. It's a Friday night. We got a lot to do. I got a few more things I got to share with you. Also want to have a little fun. You want to join the conversation? 844-900-BUCK. 844-900-2825. Come on back. Michael Pelka in for Buck Sexton. This is the Buck Sexton program. Buck is back on Monday. I'm hanging out in my own version of the Freedom Hut. We call it the Constitutionally Protected Free Speech Bunker here on the Delaware Bay. And uh, protecting your right to speak freely and, and talk about things. You don't have to agree, but we can be agreeable or disagreeable without uh, we can disagree without being disagreeable I get that's what I was trying to get out it's been a long week what a week it's been we started with Rudy Giuliani saying the truth is not the truth and the left twisting his words and taking it out of context to today and the discussion that we had earlier about the president and Jeff Sessions, the attorney general, kind of going toe to toe and Lindsey Graham trying to negotiate the the peace between those two men. That was a statement that Graham thinks Lindsey Graham thinks he'll be a new attorney general after the midterms. Uh, our buddy Wendy Patrick said, no, she doesn't believe that's going to happen. But keep your eyes on that. We have bet a beverage on it. I want to talk about someone who kind of got into a little hot water yesterday. And it's a guy I respect over at Fox News, Neil Cavuto. Cavuto closed his show yesterday, just before 5 p.m., with a three-minute attack on the president. And he basically called out the president for changing his position on things. He really ripped into him. I'm going to give you what I consider to be the salient portion of that three-minute screed. Here it is. Mr. President, you're that guy. You're both those guys. And you're right to be frustrated, but you are part of what's frustrating. It's, it's not about stepping on your message. It's about constantly changing it. You are right to say your critics should be held accountable. But that doesn't mean you should hold this economic boom you hold so dear hostage. It cheapens your argument and it cheapens this country. I like tax cuts and soaring markets as much as anybody. But what good is it to fatten your wallet if you've lost your soul? If you forget your friends and you embolden your enemies, you are right to say some are out to get you. But all the nines, Mr. President, the problem is you, what you say and how you keep changing what you say. I know you'll call this fake, but the implications of what you're doing, Mr. President, are very real. You are so darn focused on promoting a financial boom that you fail to see that you are the one creating 
this moral bust. Kind of amazing to hear that on Fox. Neil Cavuto calling out the president. And tonight, Cavuto, a guy I respect greatly, he's a guy who fights through a a tremendous amount of physical limitations that he has MS that has made his life very difficult. I think Neil Cavuto was trying to send a message to the president that there are many of us who voted for him, many of us who would like him to up his game a little bit. So I'm, I'm hoping... I'm hoping that that message gets across. Am I right in supporting Neil Cavuto for saying this? Or are we all supposed to be in lockstep behind the president? What say you, Buck Sexton audience? Is Neil Cavuto within the boundaries of of good conservative dialogue? The number 844-900-BUCK, 844-900-BUCK. You can weigh in on that while I show... A, a little bit of a warning flare. If you don't think that those of us who are conservatives are being squeezed and trying to be nudged off off the shelf, look no further than David Horowitz, the guy whose think tank is getting squeezed by Visa and MasterCard. They are no longer processing donations to David Horowitz and his Freedom Center because the Southern Poverty Law Center has basically labeled him a problem. I, I'm telling you, they're nudging conservatives from shadow banning on Twitter to moments like this. We have to keep calling it out. Are you a Visa customer? Are you a MasterCard customer? Makes me wonder where I should put my allegiance with my credit use. Michael Pelka, stepping aside. You want to weigh in on Cavuto or anything? Give me a holler. 844-900-BUCK. I'm in for Buck Sexton tonight. Buck's back Monday. He's holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. Michael Pelka in for Buck Sexton on this Friday, hanging out uh, in the uh, the constitutionally protected free speech bunker in Delaware. I've been talking about a lot of things tonight. The phones are lit up, so we have to go right to you guys. Let's check in with Steve. Steve, welcome to the Buck Sexton Show. What's on your mind? Well, I just listened to your clip about uh, that, that uh, from the Neil Cavuto show. Yeah, and. Uh, there was a number of years ago in the daily papers of a comic strip called Pogo, and Pogo's quote was, I've seen the enemy and it is us. And if you look at conservatives, I think that that's our issue. We are our own worst enemy. We've got a president who's got the economy roaring. He's bringing some sense of national pride to uh, back to our country, He's trying to make America great again. And guys like Neil Cavuto don't seem to like his style. And we've got a president who is so embattled with the uh, uh, Russian collusion investigation, and uh, everywhere he turns, he's being criticized in the media. Uh, and 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 we get upset because he chooses to protect himself or say something good about himself when no one in the media will. And really, it gets a little bit upsetting that conservatives want to turn on this president who's trying to lead us down a different path, one that. Uh, Americans like myself like to see. And uh, 
I, I live in the great state of Mississippi, and, and we're we're proud of Trump. We like everything he says. Do we necessarily um, like the, 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 the comments that he makes and the things he puts out on Twitter? No. But let's don't bash him. Let's get together behind this guy. We've got some momentum going. And guys like Neil Cavuto are doing nothing but bringing us down. Well, I'm I'm glad you called and made your opinion known. I will tell you, I I get very frustrated with this president. I voted for him without hesitation. I, I would have voted for a blender against Hillary Clinton. Uh, he was my second choice, but I am I am proudly on the Trump train. I'm proudly talking about what he's doing. I'm proudly happy America is stronger economically and stronger uh, defense-wise. And I think consumer confidence is up. I read a stat yesterday, Steve. Black small business ownership is up 400% during the Trump era. And there also is a, a doubling of the support for the president, uh, for a Republican president under under Donald Trump. So those are all good indicators. But is it okay? Are we not allowed to say when we want him to be a little more presidential? We Yes, we elected a reality TV star to the White House. Yes, we got a guy who's on his third wife, who's a little brash, who doesn't speak politics. But is it okay for him, for us, to say when we don't like what he does? Isn't that part of the First Amendment? It's for us to protect speech we don't agree with? Absolutely. That is that is part and parcel of who we are. It just gets a little frustrating at times when our own uh, we, we, we're, we're eating ourselves. Uh, we've got enough. There's enough free speech out there. Uh, can't we do we have to disagree with every little word that he says? Why can't we focus on those good things and say some good things? And by whose definition are we talking presidential? Let's yeah, that's a great point. That. Fair point. Fair point. I will give you that one. Uh, I, but but did you listen to my statement about John McCain, what I had wished the president would have done earlier this year? I think I brought it up in February. I missed that. OK, I said in February on the radio, maybe here, maybe elsewhere, because I fill in for a lot of guys all over the country. I said that I wish Donald Trump would have taken the initiative when John McCain left Washington and said, I'm not coming back. I wish the president would have reached out and tried to heal the divide because let's face it, it's a gigantic divide and you have two guys, two alphas who are not going to give up any ground. And I think the president would have won a gigantic moral and popular victory if he had put the the hand out to John McCain, especially in McCain's early stages of his hour of need. And now the night that John McCain has announced through his family that he's stopping treatment, that he's giving up the fight, the president has said nothing. Now, maybe he has and we don't know it. Maybe it's private. But I just think there are a couple things that he could do. Only a couple. I love where we're going as a nation. But I, w I think we wouldn't have a worry in the world about the midterms if he would take a little step towards the towards the center of the party, not the Democrats, the center of the party. That's all I'm saying. And you make a great point there, and I, and I think it's very valid. 
and, I, and, and what I would like to see happen is instead of guys like Neil Cavuto, who have such a big stage, making these very public uh, uh, critical commentaries of the president, that uh, maybe they would use their power in another way to maybe come in behind the scenes. I would just like to see us support our president and, and, and not there are so many, so many people who are tearing him down. If we could be supportive of him, and you know what? I'm with you. I'd like to see him take the moral high ground. I'd like to see him reach out to Tom McCain. And, and I don't understand why he does everything he does. But I think part of the reason that he's successful is because he is so brash. Because oh, yeah. he's not a politician. He's not the guy to reach out and shake hands across the aisle. He's a, he's a, he's a winner-take-all kind of guy. And I think you got to take that all together. And you got to say, either I, 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 I take him the way he is or I don't take him at all. And if you're going to try to change the stripes of a, uh, of a zebra here, uh, change the spots on a leopard, it's just not going to work. We want to make him into something that he's not. He's always been this way. Well, and we knew yeah. that when we elected him. And yeah, so you go back, we, to, we go back to the bad. poem. Let's go back to the poem he read on the campaign trail. You knew I was a snake before you took me in. He's been telling us for a long time. So uh, I think we can find common ground on this, Steve, and I sure appreciate you sharing your opinion with me. Have a great rest of your weekend. Jason in Florida, I think you're echoing some of the initial comments from Steve about how the president is treated. Welcome, Jason. Hi, how are you? I'm good. What's your thoughts on this? Well, I'm not a professional. I'm a farmer. Okay. And, you know, we, I, I just just cut five or more acres of uh, blueberries because my blueberries went in the last 10 years from $12 a pound to $1 a pound. Can't wow. survive on that. So NAFTA is killing farmers here in Florida or in this country. And, you know, I like everything this president is doing. I, and I live my life since if you're not for me, you're against me. And I think that's what Trump is. Trump is for us, and we are for Trump. And if the people in Washington don't realize that poor people in this country like this man, we love this man, and that, that we just want to see people treating him with respect. And I, I understand how he lashes back at them, because they lash out at him and he lashes back. You see, he's a fighter. Yeah, he's, he we're said tired, he's a, a counterpuncher. He's, he's always said he's a counterpuncher, Jason. Now, you're a farmer. You're a working farmer. Some of the greatest people who keep this country growing and fed and feed the world. And you brought up NAFTA. From what I understand, I think we're about to make a breakthrough with NAFTA. Do you even follow what's going on with the negotiations with Mexico and Canada? I follow everything in, in, the, in the news. I follow I mean, <laughs> I follow everything that Trump does, everything that the Democrats do, everything that I'm a registered Republican. Well, good. I I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. I, I, think, really I think we're going to have a breakthrough on NAFTA. Everybody I talk to, everybody I hear from in, in that part of the world, in the trade world. And I will tell you, Jason, I question the president on his tariff strategy because I'm a free trade guy. I think the free market should decide. But I also understand that he's working China, he's working Canada, and he's working Mexico to get them to come back to the table and be fair. So farmers like you 
don't see your income go from 12 bucks a pound to a buck a pound you end up dry brush cutting what should be feeding people it, it's got to be heartbreaking exactly. so I, I i support your thinking here on this jason i'm i'm you know, heartened. I, i'm not a, i'm not a, i wasn't born in this country i'm a u.s citizen. where'd you come from i serving in the military where where did you come from sir i came from trinidad from trinidad, trinidad. okay a, a, a tiny and, island and we, community, and your son is yes. in the military. My son is in the military. He's in the Navy, the U.S. Navy. And um, you know, in Trinidad, when I was a kid, we had a president, a prime minister, that that stopped all imports in order to save the economy, and he did. You know, if we gotta suffer a little bit because of tariffs, I'm ready to suffer. Because I've been suffering for the last 12 years farming here. And I farmed all my life. I farmed in Trinidad and I farm here. And I've been suffering all my life. Here in this country, suffering, being a farmer. And if Donald Trump, President Trump, could do something to help farmers in this country, I'm going to back him all the way. Jason, you are remarkable. Nothing short of inspirational. On a Friday night where I thought we were rounding the corner on the final lap, and I get a call from a guy who chose to be in this country, who made a decision to come here and to work hard in one of the hardest fields you could work in, work in the land, and you're standing up for not only this country but for your family. And now to tell me your son is in the Navy, I wear a red shirt every Friday, Jason, in memory of every person deployed. Uh, please, please let your son know and let your family know that this show supports him and we support you. Thank you, sir, for taking the time to, to call us. Wow. Whew. I, I, I'm truly touched by that phone call. I am moved by that. When you think of what it takes to come here from another country legally, I'm not talking about illegals. I'm talking about people who endure the arduous task of coming into America that sometimes takes years and thousands of dollars. And now this guy isn't here on a high-tech visa programming computers. He's putting his dirt, his hands in the dirt every day and bringing forth food. But he's willing to stick by the president. I wish Democrats could hear calls like that. I really do. Michael Pelka in for Buck Sexton. I, I got to get to some of the craziness before we get out of here. Uh, we'll be right back. Michael Pelka in for Buck Sexton tonight. Buck is back Monday. He's on a special assignment. He'll, he'll tell you all about it <laughs> on Monday. But I'm happy to be here. I, I wanted to read to you from the Vanity Fair. I know, Vanity Fair. Yeah, I know. I know. Snooty Entertainment Fashion Magazine. Vanity Fair has a review of the Happy Time Murders. I'm not going to read the review, but I want to encourage you. Go to VanityFair.com and read the review of the Happy Time Murders titled Maybe the worst movie of the year, a total disaster with puppets. Maybe the worst movie of the year. It's brutal. 
It's a brutal movie. I, I want to see it just to see if it lives up to this bad review. And uh, for anybody who wrote to me and said, you're not going to see it, say anything about the end of the Big Bang Theory, the CBS show that's going off the air. No, I never watched it. Never. Not once. I'm more of a live PD guy. I, I, Big Bang Theory. Get out of here. I uh, lost uh, Lewis. I was going to talk to a guy named Lewis about Neil Cavuto. So maybe, Lewis, if you want to call back in and share your thoughts, happy to hear them. Anybody has a final thought, 844-900-BUCK, 844-900-2825. In the meantime, do you own a home? This This is so amazing. The FBI calls home title theft one of the fastest growing crimes. So brace yourself because... Having your credit card stolen is nothing compared to the hell you're in once an identity thief takes control of your home's title. Think about it. Biggest thing you'll buy in your life. Everything is stored online, including your home's title. Domestic and international cyber thieves hunt for American homeowners because we have a lot of equity in our homes and they use it to borrow money. So they they take you off your home's title replace you with an alias, and then they start borrowing every dime they can using your home's equity, and they stick you with the payments. And you won't know about it until you get a late payment notice from somebody who says, hey, deadbeat. So it's a big deal. Identity theft programs and insurance policies do not protect you. Only home title lock safeguards your home's title from the cyber thieves and hackers. So Home Title Lock forms a virtual perimeter around your title, your home's title, and the instant somebody tampers with it, they're on it, and they shut it down, helping shut it down. So for just pennies a day, Home Title Lock protects my most valuable asset, my family's home. Register now for a free analysis and discover if your home's title has been compromised. Imagine that. It's a $60 value for free. So visit HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Do that today. Really important. I I can't tell you how scary that is. You know how irritating it is. Somebody hijacks your credit card. All right. I um, I got a couple of other stories I need to get to. I have never lived in Kansas City, but I'm thinking about moving to Kansas City, at least part-time, because if you live in Kansas City, they are now voting on whether or not they will allow liquor delivered to homes. So in other words, you can purchase alcohol and they will deliver it to your house. They're going to check your ID and make sure you you pay for it, etc. But Kansas City, Missouri is actually working on making li- liquor as easy to get delivered to your home as a pizza. Let's think about that. You'll be able to get liquor delivered to your home. So Kansas City, good for you for innovating. I wonder if they will eventually have drone delivery of the liquor. It's just a possibility. I'm just saying. And if you need good good feelings at the end of the day, if you've had a rough week, you might want to look up the story. I tweeted on a link to it earlier. The story of the dolphins who surrounded a mother humpback whale and her newborn calf to protect it from attacking males. Just remarkable video. 
the story is amazing. You, you got to support nature when you can. And also, um, lest anybody think I don't support this president, I am 100% behind him. Just in my world, I want Donald Trump to be a little more of a uniter. I think it's a good opportunity for us. And in the interim, go and visit my Twitter account at StuntBrain. Look for me on iTunes. Uh, of course, I have a different podcast up all the time. And maybe I'll be back next week sitting in for my friend Buck Sexton. Buck's back Monday. Till then, Michael Pelka saying thank you. And as always, you know how we end. Testudo, my friends. Testudo. Testudo.